Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hi, writers. Welcome to episode number 43 of How Do You Write? I'm Rachel Heron, and I'm so glad you're here. If you are looking at this on the video on Facebook or YouTube, um, then you have a little bit of a treat in store, I think. Personally, uh, if you're just listening to it, I'll try to describe what's going on. Um, You might hear some noise in the background. In a minute, I'll open the window and you'll hear a lot more noise. You might also hear the dishwasher. I can't figure out how to turn that off. I am in my apartment in Venice and uh, I have fallen in love with this apartment. It's a rental. It's a, a VRBO and I love the owner. The owner loves me and I have told her that I want to come back to this apartment for as long as we both are standing. Me and this building, which has been here since probably about the 15th century as a poor merchant's house. This is not a castle, uh, not not one of the big palaces that they built in, in Venice, but it is directly over the produce market just next to the fish market, if you know where that is, if you've been here. Um, and it looks onto the Grand Canal. So I'm going to pick up carefully my computer and my microphone, and I'm going to walk you over here. You'll hear me opening the windows. And then look at what has out here. Good God. It's the entire whoa, Grand Canal. So I can get a gondola for you. Well, we've got the trash boat picking up the trash. That's pretty good. Um, here comes the Vaporetto, which is, there it is coming into view. It's taking all the tourists over to San Marco. You can hear the fruit vendors yelling, shilling their wares. I'm going to close it because, you know, this kind of noise is actually not the best thing for a podcast if you're listening in your car and driving around. Um, But I did want to give you a little view of where I am. It's the tiniest little place. Um, It's good for one, maybe two people if two people really, really like each other. But right up there, you can kind of see the platform bed. And I have to tell you a secret Um, And it's one that makes me kind of jealous of myself. So if you hear this secret and get mad at me for uh, having uh, so much awesome, it's not fair. I completely understand. I Yeah. Um, From that bed, if you lie on the very edge, you can look out and see the water. You can just see an inch of water or two um, right off one of the docks on either side of the dock. And sometimes it's blocked by the garbage boat, but uh, most of the time it's not. And... I have this habit since I've been here for a week now of in the middle of the night, I get a little worried that I'm dreaming, that I've made all of this up. This isn't happening to me. So I roll to the edge of the bed and I look down just to see if it has gone to cement, pavement, and it hasn't. It's still gleaming and glittering. And Venice, as you may know, if you've been following me on Twitter, Facebook, or anywhere else, Venice is my heart. Um, It is a cliche. It really, really is. I'm the American woman who's in love with Venice, but I've been coming here for almost 25 years. Um, It grabbed part of me when I was 21 or so, 44, so probably about 23 years I've been coming. And, And it's never, ever let me go. And I've come back here as often as I 
could. In the past, when I was a little bit broker, I could almost never get here. But usually, I would use my uh, tax return every year um, from whatever job I was working. I would get you know a couple thousand back, and I would get on a plane and come to Venice. And I always stayed in really inexpensive, tiny pensiones, tiny hotels, never a bathroom to myself. Um, and as I got a little bit older and able to spend a little bit more money, I would get a little bit bigger room in a hotel. And then I started staying at tiny apartments all over town. And this is my favorite tiny apartment because even though it's loud, it's over the fish market, it's over the uh, produce market, um, which is open almost every day. It's the sound of life. Um, everyone who lives in Venice comes here to shop in the morning. Everyone. Um, and there are 54,000 Venetians left, which used to make me feel like there was no one in the city. But I realized that 54,000 people in a, in a, uh, an area this small, the 117 islands, tiny little islands that you can walk across with 20 paces, um, 54,000 people to be fit into those 117 islands. That's a, that's a good number. It's still a vibrant living city. Um, the problem is, is that people like me, uh, come and we put our feet all over it and um, the tourist trade is something that has always been difficult for Venice to uh, manage. The real problem right now are the, um, the uh, what do they call them, the big boats, cruise, cruise ships that come in um, because as they come in the Judeca Canal, they're actually displacing so much water because they're so enormous that it's really proving even worse to the foundations than all of global warming and the climate changing and the rising tides are doing. Um, so hopefully at some point that'll be worked out and they'll keep the uh, cruise boats out of Venice but still bring the tourists in because Venice needs the dollars and, and needs people to come in and buy the pizza and buy the gelato. Um, but most people really do come into Venice for one day. They make the trek from the train station to San Marco and then back. Um, they buy a couple of masks and four gelati, which is a really good idea. And, and then they go. Um, and what they don't realize is if you step off any of the beaten tourist paths, um, you're, you're, you're shoulder to shoulder in these tiny little Kali, um, which are the tiny, tiny streets. A lot of the streets you can reach out and touch both sides with your hands. Um, and that's the street. There are no cars. There are no bicycles. Um, it's just people, it's just feet. Um, but if you step off the crowded byway, you're in these silent, silent streets where only the locals are shopping and drinking and talking and the kids are playing soccer in the campos. And, um, it's just absolutely incredible. It is one of the most magical places in the world. To me, it is the most magical place. Um, I feel like I fit here. I know how to get around. I know how to find my way around. I've been doing it for a long time, granted. Um, but even this time, when uh, a week in after my retreat had ended, my friend Jody was still with me and we were looking for something. I can't remember what. And we ended up going in circles. The way I have not gone in circles in 20 years, we ended up in the same campo three different times and all three times we were trying to get out of it we would try we'd finally figure out how to get out we'd walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and walk and we'd probably almost be to the paper store which is where i was trying to get us to and suddenly we'd be in that combo again and that's what venice does she, she's confusing she's labyrinthian she 
um, throws reflections at you that you never saw coming. The entire city is a reflection uh, because of the way the light bounces off the water, which is everywhere. Um, I know that I am waxing rhapsodic, and I actually have a, a point here. Um, and oh yeah, by the way, there is no guest. Uh, I did enough work this week. Um, I will have a guest for you next episode, but this time it's just me babbling for a little bit, just a short amount of your time, because I have to go catch a plane in 45 minutes. This is my last, um, this is my last hurrah. This is my last thinking about and loving Venice. And I just looked out the window and the water is incredibly green with slate, um, darkness where the, where the water dips and I'm watching the um, the gondolas uh, gondoli as you would say uh, gondole it would be gondole the plural um, bob up and down and the sun is beaming down and there goes a trash boat which actually looks gorgeous um, when you think about it Venice is one of the very last places in the world where all trash collection is done by hand obviously there are no cars so you have to have people walking through and picking up all the garbage um, there are a million things to think about that are incredible in the city, and I think garbage is one of them. Um, but I wanted to tell you a little bit about how my two weeks went here. This was my first retreat. I led this retreat to Venice because I'm comfortable here, because I know what I'm doing, um, because I know how to organize afternoon outings, um, and because I'm comfortable teaching. I had 16 students, um, and really, they didn't feel like students, they, they were retreatants. Um, a bunch of them were my friends. All of them were my friends by the time we were done. And we would spend the mornings writing together. And we, from 9 to 12, we would do exercises and we would share our writing. And I was doing all the exercises and sharing right along with them, even when I thought my writing was total, total crap, which it was. These were first drafts. Um, it took bravery on my part, too. But the bravery of the retreatants and the work that they got done and the glorious, glorious prose that came out of these workshops, that came from their core, from the very innermost part of them, um, was something that absolutely blew my mind. I was so honored to be there, to be part of that, to be helping facilitate that. I didn't do the work. They did the work for themselves. And to watch them bond as a group, to have this safe place to bond, to share, to grow. Um, I didn't have to take care of them, even though, as I kept joking, my border collie nature just was on high alert the whole time. I was always trying to make sure that everybody was good and we were going the right places in the afternoons and I hadn't lost anybody and no one had fallen into a canal. Um, but I didn't have to take care of them because they were taking care of themselves and they were taking care of each other. I would look around and three people had wandered that way and four people were talking about something over here and this these five had made dinner plans and um it was just incredible and the amount of writing that we did it was a huge amount of writing um and the amount of community that we created is something that i have to say i'm really really proud of i um, we'll do more of these. This was a test run. This was to see if I could do it. I'm, I know that I'm a good teacher. I love teaching. Um, I love teaching creative writing. 
I didn't know if I was going to be a good retreat leader, and I am. So um, I have a couple of announcements, and I'm really announcing these for myself, uh, but I'm going to do it in front of you. Uh, I'm going to be leading a Venice retreat every spring. That's what I'm going to do. After the Venice retreat, um, I'm going to have my own private retreat, which is what I did this time. I had a week to myself in this apartment overlooking the Grand Canal. I didn't even have to go anywhere if I didn't want to. I would just, I cooked every night and um, I would put my food on the ledge of the window and I would just watch the, the boat traffic go by and I did not drop one single dish or wine glass off of the ledge. I have to tell you, I'm pretty proud about that. Um, so that's what I'm going to do. Every spring, I'm going to bring people here for a week then I'm going to have my own retreat for a week. And every fall, I'm going to do a retreat somewhere else. So this fall, watch for the announcement. Um, I'm thinking Barcelona at this point. I am not totally sure. Uh, it's exciting. I managed to break even and come home with a little bit of money. So that's really the whole goal um, is to provide myself some uh, paid for travel and also some research time. And this is my other announcement. Um, a couple of people know. Some friends know, I haven't told my agent yet, um, but I've been playing with the idea of a book on Venice for a long time. Um, and when I came here, I had a pretty clear idea of what it was, what I thought it was going to be, and it's completely changed. Now the memoir that I'm going to write is, um, I'll, I'll get a better tagline. I'm working on my elevator pitch, but it is something like uh, 25 years of becoming a writer as reflected by Venice. Um, so I'm going to be looking at myself, my writing, and my trips to Venice, the experiences that I've had here over the last quarter century. Um, and I, I know, it is cliche. This Again, this New Zealander, American woman who is in love with the city that everyone is in love with. Um, it's like being in love with Vegas, basically. And I'm a little bit... I understand. I'm not even ashamed of that. I just understand that's what it is. Uh, but... So all week I was just writing. I filled an entire notebook of noticing and being in the moment and memories, remembering everything that's ever happened. Sorry about the dishwasher noise. Um, and I'm really, really excited about it. That is going to be my next uh, work of nonfiction. So I'm going to start working on that as soon as I get home. And um, I've realized some intentions this time too, I know that for me, I need more reading time and more resting time because that's what I've gotten here. And that's what has filled my soul along with the beauty of Venice. So I'm really going to be concentrating at home on prioritizing getting my, um, my deep work done a little bit earlier in the morning because I, I want to get up and write fiction and I want to have a space in my life for writing the nonfiction that calls to me. Um, I write the essays for the Patreon on creativity. Uh, then the next essay um, on Patreon is going to be about the need for retreat and rest and, and filling the well. So if you're not getting the essays, you can get them for as little as a buck an essay. I only put them out every couple of months or so. Um, but yeah, I need more time to not only write fiction, but also write nonfiction. And I also need to give myself time to write, uh, to read and to fill the well. I um, have been off of Twitter, which is my social media of choice, 
uh, for the last two weeks. I post to it um, and then I respond to people who, who talk to me. There's definitely conversation happening on Twitter and Facebook, but I'm only posting to those places and having conversations. I am not reading anything. I'm not reading the news. I'm not reading every fascinating essay that appears on Twitter because so many incredible essays show up on Twitter and it's one of my favorite things to do is read those. Um, but the the space that has been opened inside my head by just being away from all of that noise has been incredible. And I know that it is vacationitis. I know that it's going to be hard to maintain at home where I'm back in the flow. However, I want to remember this feeling of quiet, this feeling that when I'm reading, I'm processing and I'm thinking about my own writing and I'm thinking about what the reading means to me in my heart and in my mind and my body and not getting immediately distracted by my phone and reading 400 other posts from people who are very interesting, who, who I get fascinated by and I drop that thread that I've come up with for myself. Um, I've found this to be incredibly valuable while I'm here and I want to keep it going. I really want to try. Um, you know me, in three weeks I might be completely out of my mind and doing 17 other things and, and the queen of Twitter. Uh, but but that's my intention right now. Um, I'm, um, I'm thinking a lot about intention and appreciation and memory. And it's been fantastic. Just this time that has been afforded me is fantastic. I feel like the luckiest person in the entire world. And I know that I worked my way here. Um, if you had told me 25 years ago that I would be in an apartment over the Grand Canal, I would have died. It literally would have just expired of disbelief and happiness, um, which is kind of the way I feel right now, even though I literally have to get off this podcast because I'm not quite done packing. Um, but I still can't believe that I'm here. I can't, and I can't believe that I'm leaving, but I'm going home and I love being home. So it's all good. Next episode, we will have a guest. Um, and I hope that you are getting some writing done. I hope that you realize that the place you are right now is exactly the perfect place for you. Um, I am going to be remembering that and realizing that when I get home too. When I'm on the plane, it will be the right place for me to be. When I'm in my office, it'll be the right place for me to be. When I am cleaning up dog pee, that's the right place for me to be. At this very moment, my feet are on Venetian marble. Um, doesn't matter where my feet are though. It matters where my heart is, where my head is. Um, and I'm super glad that, uh, I got to share this with you. Thank you for listening and, um, thank you for being part of this podcast. And that is all I have to say to you. Ciao tutti. Um, and goodbye. Talk to you soon. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of how do you write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.